We are marching through Luke, continuing our journey, uh, looking at the life and the ministry of Jesus as is given to us in the Gospel of Luke. And often what's fascinating about these stories is they give us not just a picture of the things that Jesus said, but they also show us how Jesus carried himself in, in, in a variety of settings. And this story that we're looking at this morning, we're seeing Jesus again as the guest at a dinner party. We seem to continually find him in places like that. And uh, the host is a ruler of the Pharisees. And this story that we're looking at is the third of three stories in a row that all happen at this one dinner party. And to say that things had gotten tense might be understating it a little bit. In the first story, the Pharisees, uh, the host was a ruler of the Pharisees. That would be somebody with some authority in the religious establishment. But these Pharisees had, had, uh, had set up a trap for Jesus um, and, uh, and brought a man with a severe illness, uh, dropsy, into the room, almost daring Jesus to perform a healing on the Sabbath. And Jesus, uh, it's almost like he stares them down and goes ahead and heals the man. He challenged their religious and relational ethics when he did that. So he's creating tension. He's right at the center of it. And in the second story, what we see is he's now challenging guests uh, regarding where they, uh, how they seek to arrange themselves around the table. Like he tells them, don't take the place of honor, but start with taking the place of shame. He's telling them that they're all sitting in the wrong places. And, uh, and what he said ends with this. He says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Now, that's an ominous warning. That's more tension he's just creating. And up until now, just what do you think uh, of Jesus' dinner guest aptitude level? Like, usually when you're at somebody's home for dinner or for a party or something like that, your goal is to be a delightful guest, right? Like, your hope is to dissolve tension, not to create it. And what we see in this story, we'll pick up in verse 12, is that Jesus isn't done with these guys yet. He's not done with them. He has more to teach them, except now he's going to turn his attention to the host and talk to them about the type of person he should be inviting into his home and giving hospitality to. This is the parable of the great banquet, Luke 14, chapter, sorry, chapters, that would be a lot, that would be a large text. This is Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. Hear the word of the Lord. He said, Jesus said, also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And when one of those who reclined the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he, Jesus, said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. 
And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Father, you are the one who is generous, generous beyond measure. And so I pray that, um, that as we look at this text, as we stand under it, uh, we ask that you would give us a great sense for who you are and all that you have given us. Fill us with grateful hearts. I pray that you would speak to us now. I pray that you would make me your humble servant. Help me to, to serve these friends now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So a few years ago, I was uh, attending what we call General Assembly. And if, uh, if you've never heard of a General Assembly, I want you to know that's it's totally okay. <laughs> but in our denomination, that's when the pastors in our denomination gather up uh, and we meet and we debate things and we vote on things. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's just great and sometimes it's not. And we can have that conversation one day. But, the, but one of the great things about General Assembly is that um, it's, just, it's a great opportunity to reconnect with a lot of old friends who are serving in different parts of the country. So our evenings are just full of, uh, of reconnecting and telling stories and things like that um, after all the hard work has been done. And uh, one night I was there and uh, I got a friend from a text, I got a text from a friend with an address and a passcode telling me to, to come join him. And I thought that was very interesting. So I followed the address and I found myself on the side of a street and there was nothing there but a phone booth. It was just on the side of a road and, uh, and there were no signs or anything. And I thought, this is, this is really very odd. And I told him, hey, where are you? What's going on? And he said, no, go in the phone booth, which there are no phone booths anymore, you know, so it should have stuck out to me. But uh, he said, go in the phone booth and use the passcode. And, uh, and so that's what I did. I walked into the phone booth, I picked up the phone, and I dialed in the passcode. And the coolest thing happened, the back panel of this phone booth just kind of popped open. And somebody on the other side swung it open. And, uh, and I walked inside to this, you know, gathering that was going on with a bunch of people that I loved. And it was almost like I was in the middle of a Michael Bay movie, you know, where, where you kind of walk in and like, I'm, I'm, I have been granted, uh, admittance into an exclusive party where only certain people are welcome. It was, uh, it was just really, really fun. And uh, the whole illusion of that fell apart pretty quickly as soon as my buddy told me, hey, everybody knows about this place. You know, like you might be the only one that doesn't. And getting this passcode is as simple as asking the person at the front desk who who works the front desk at the hotel. Like that's, that's how hard it is. But there was something about this that I think reveals some truth in our hearts is that uh, we love to, to be around the people that we love to be around. 
It can feel special when we get invited somewhere to be a part of an exclusive club. But who we keep company with and the company that we keep out can be very important to us. And I, I got to confess that I feel a little bit like a broken record when I talk about this because uh, I, I have returned to this theme over and over and over again, I think. But I keep doing that because Jesus is trying to say something important directly to our hearts about something that concerns us. Who is invited and who is not invited can be very important to us. Like think about the first question that you're probably asking, maybe not out loud, but whenever you receive an invitation to to anything, to a party, to a dinner, to, to a wedding... Who else is going to be there, right? And will I enjoy being there? And the truth is, is that we're often maneuvering in some way to be around the people that we want to be around. That's just something that's so intuitive and natural to us. But the flip side of that coin is also true. That we're often maneuvering, sometimes without even knowing it, to avoid the people that we don't want to be around. And there's something that you need to know about Jesus. That even though he has done nothing to aggrandize his own position, he has done nothing, he has not traded anything for power or authority or influence. He continues to operate out of the authority and power he brought when he came to be with us. But when he speaks, we often find him calling us to reevaluate completely the ways that we see other people and the ways that we form communities of people. And when he does this, he's not just offering wisdom. Although I do think that there is some very evident wisdom just all throughout this passage. But when he does this, he is calling us to understand something very important that we need to understand about the character of God himself. And so I'm going to work through this passage and I'm going to talk about what Jesus tells us about God's desires for us. He also offers us a warning that we need to hear. And then he also tells us of a privilege that we all share as God's people. Desire, warning, privilege. The first thing when we look at, uh, we get this incredible picture, beautiful picture of God's desires in this passage. And it begins with what we see of the heart behind God in just uh, sending this invitation to a banquet in the first place. And it's here that we see that, that God has a deep desire to give generously to people that he loves. The parable begins in verse 16 with the master just, it, all it says is the master, the man once gave a great banquet and invited many. He, he, uh, he's giving out of his own resources. And why does he do this? Simply because he wants to. There's no angle. We don't get the sense that there's a special occasion or anything like that. What we see is that this man just simply wants to give a banquet out of his own abundance to people that he cares about. And then we also see deep in the heart of God is a desire to gather his people up. And you will see this is a biblical theme that gets returned to in God's word over and over and over again. That God just loves to pull his people together with him at the head. He is always doing that. 
In many ways, that's one of the things that we're doing here in church is living out God's desire for us to gather together with God at the head. And we sit at his table together and we hear his words together that he is the one who gathers us up. And one of the ways that we experience God's generosity is, uh, is the, the generous ways that he brings us into each other's lives. He wants to gather his people up together before him. And then we also see that God's desire is a jealous desire. And when he hears the excuses that are given to him, in verse 20, what do we see? How does the man respond? It says he becomes angry. And we'll talk about the reasons that these guys offer uh, in a a minute, but, but it's sufficient to say that this master is angry at this wholesale jilting of his generous invitation because he's jealous for their company. He's jealous for their relationship. He's jealous for their ability to see that what he has to offer is far better than anything else that they might try to enjoy instead. And I'm using this term jealous. I think that's what we see here is a man who is jealous for the, for the company of his friends and hurt when he is rejected. But I'm using this with a little bit of unease because it's sometimes like jealousy is not an attractive trait in many people, right? Like sometimes it, that, that's, it, it has to do with maybe wanting something that's not yours or wanting something that somebody else has or wanting it for yourself. But there are relationships that, uh, that we all have where jealousy can be completely appropriate, right? Like a committed, loving relationship. In fact, I, like my wife should be jealous for my uh, affections. She should be jealous if I were giving those affections to a place where it didn't belong. My, my family should be jealous for my company, for my priorities, right? And one of the things that we see here is that God is jealous for people that he loves because his desire is for them. And I want you to hear this really, 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 really clearly because it's so hard to, for us to believe that God desires you. Listen, God desires you. God wants you, your personhood. God desires a relationship with you, that even your friendship, God desires these things because he cares for you. We see that he longs for you and he is calling out to you precisely because he wants to for no other reason than he wants to. In fact, central to the story of the ministry of Jesus is that it shows us just what he is willing to do in order to bring you home to be with him. Just what Jesus is willing to endure. And it tells us that, uh, that even in our sin, God's desire was still for his people. Our, what we call our sin or our rejection or rebellion from God, that God persists even then, even in his jealousy for us, he persists in his desire for you. And so when we look at what God desires, I, just, I need you to hear this. One of the things we see in this passage is that God desires you. 
And just as Jesus is telling us about God's desires, he's also telling us something. Uh, he's also giving us something of a warning in this passage. He's warning against, uh, there's a warning against presumption in here. This whole parable was kicked off as Jesus is responding to something really curious that a man says in verse 15. It's really interesting. Did you catch that? There's this emphatic statement in the Greek. It's ex- ex- it's like an exclamation. Remember that Jesus is creating tension, right? There's a lot of tension in the room. And then you hear somebody in verse 15 said, when one of those who reclined at the table, we don't know his name, uh, heard these things, he said, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Uh, I, I almost imagine that this guy is raising his wine glass when he says it. Because what we see is that this is, this is probably an idiom that people amongst the, the, the religious elite might say to each other is a presumption that when, uh, when the, that they will be included as one of those who eat bread in the kingdom of God. Uh, this guy is saying something that he's hoping everyone in the room will be able to agree on, and then they can just kind of move on talking about things that they agree on. He's trying to cut the tension. And Jesus tells this whole story in response to a presumptive attitude. And what he's doing is he's warning against presuming anything about who might or might not be included in the kingdom of God. That God is the one who makes those decisions. And then uh, we also see a number of, like, a number of excuses that these, that these men who were invited to the banquet are offering about why they can't come. And now when we read through these things, did you see um, just how lame these excuses are? Like these are weak excuses, friends. Did you know that you can go on Google and get all kinds of advice? The, it, apparently a lot of people are very concerned about this. But you can find just a tremendous amount of advice out there for how to politely decline an invitation to something. Like it's, it's just across a number of websites, a lot of different suggestions for how to send your regret, regrets in the way that's least likely to offend somebody who, who invited you to something. It's something that we're all concerned about, right? Like how do I do this in a way that maybe they'll invite me again? That's the concern, right? And you know what I found? Because I spent an, a totally unreasonable amount of time looking at this this week. You know what I found? There's simply no way around saying, and sometimes it's entirely appropriate, but there's simply no way around saying, I'm not coming because there's something else that's more important to me. And that's what we see here in this passage, is that in these excuses, somebody is saying, there's something else that's more important to me than your banquet. And the first guy, he says, uh, the first guy says, I bought a field and I must go inspect it because you didn't inspect it when you bought it, or it's not going to be there the next day? Like, can your field wait a day, right? That, that, that's the weak excuse. And the oxen is just like that. I bought five yoke of oxen. That's 10 oxen. That would be a lot, uh, a lot of oxen in that day. And, uh, and he's saying, I need to go look at them. And what Jesus is, he is warning us against an indifference attitude. Because the truth is, if these people would were, wanted to be there, they would be, right? And so this is a warning against indifference. And then the third guy says, I just got married. I mean, maybe, that, maybe this one's a little more reasonable, right? Why did Jesus include that in this story? Because one of the things Jesus is saying 
is that he's making the point that even enjoying the good things that God has given to us can distract us from longing for the, for the goodness that God promises to us. Jesus is warning us about ways we can fill our lives with such good things that God offers us, to, that, the th- that the ultimate goodness that God offers us to us isn't significant to us. And I want to be careful here. Because listen, there are always fair and reasonable and maybe healthy ways to say no to something. But that's not what we're talking about when we look at this story. Jesus is talking about an invitation from God to enjoy the very thing that we were made for. Intimacy with God. A personal relationship with God that God desires for you. Something that's enjoyable and life-giving. It's where we come alive. And if you're trying to, if you're trying to think through all of, the, all of the things that you need to hear to make something compelling to you, I can promise to you that this checks all of the boxes. But, but um, this, what, what God, God's invitation to you is more wonderful than anything you could dream. Because the person who gives the banquet is the same one who designed your heart. And he designed us for each other. He made us for himself. If you were here last week, right at the beginning of the bulletin is a reflection section. And there is a wonderful prayer from St. Augustine in there. And it was there he said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And when God invites you into relationship with him, he is inviting you to find your rest now in the rest that he promises you tomorrow. And Jesus is speaking with urgency here, and he is warning you that it is very easy to be presumptuous, it is very easy to be indifferent, and it is very easy to be distracted and not see the wonderful invitation, the free gift of, uh, 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 of God's goodness given to you through faith in Jesus Christ. And here's the wonderful thing. You don't have to angle for it. You don't have to maneuver. There is no passcode that you got to punch in to get in. Jesus offers himself for you freely. And what we'll see as we enjoy these things, is that each of us have, a, have a, just a wonderful and unique privilege that's given to us. Because we become the servant. The servant is the one who witnesses the heart of God to all of the people, like where God would like to see his generosity to go. The, the servant is the witness to the spreading of God's generosity. And so we, we have the privilege of serving. And when we do that, we become imitators because we are imitating the perfect servant. Jesus Christ is the one who came to us. He's the one who was sent to us. He's the one who went into the highways and the hedges and he found us and brought us to him. And we have the privilege of becoming the same messengers that bring God's goodness, God's invitation of hope and joy to the world. That is our privilege of those who know God to bring the hospitality God offers 
to those around us. And remember Jesus' charge. It's all right at the beginning of the passage. The reason that he is talking about these things at the beginning. In verse 13, he says, When you give a feast, invite the poor. Put your attention on the poor, the lame, the blind, and the crippled, and you will be blessed, for they cannot repay you, but you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And listen, he's saying a lot of things here. But one of the things that he's saying, that every time we take up the privilege of extending generosity to those who cannot hope to repay it, we are bearing witness of the feast that we will enjoy together. And that our church fellowship, listen, the way that we take care of each other, what we look like when we gather together, the ways that we love each other, and the ways that our love is generous toward those around us uh, in any way that we can, and the way that we invite other people into fellowship with us, and yes, even the way that we party, is an image of the banquet that God is bringing us to one day together. And so be generous. He is calling us to be generous as as those who have already enjoyed God's generous hospitality given to us and promised to us. And he's calling us to have have in mind those you might not likely think of. And so that's your challenge. That's your challenge, to begin to think about who who you might be around that that might not actually have have occurred to you as somebody that could really use or enjoy your hospitality. I read a story this past week where a preacher preached on this passage and he encouraged his congregation to look for new people to bless. And he told them to look for people that might make them uncomfortable. And he said he was surprised within the next week when he received four invitations to dinner. I will know, okay? I'm just saying, I'll know. I'm on to you. But listen, that's what God's love compels us to do. That just as we are loved, so we enjoy giving this generous love to other people. He compels us to bear witness to his love and bring it into the world with us wherever we go. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Oh, you who love so generously, I pray that you would help us to sit under this passage with joy in our hearts and that you would bring us across people to love, that you would convince us and ignite our hearts with a gratefulness for all the ways that you love us, a settled conviction of your love for us, and that you would help us as we engage this hard work of love. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.